When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The only people that don't get time off this time of year are pro athletes and us at Bet Online. With NFL bowl season and NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up to the second odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info available you need with both desktop and mobile access. Head there today to get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I hope you all had a great Christmas. I know we did because Oklahoma State got their 10th win of the season with their victory on Wednesday night over Texas A&M in the Tax Act Bowl, 31 to 23. Let's go. What I'm talking about 10 wins, another 10 win season, you know, hey, who would have thought? Not me, but glad to be here. I do have a, a tweet from Gavin Lang who uh, leads Oklahoma State Athletics uh, Communications team. He said, under Mike Gundy, OK State has eight 10-win seasons since 2010. The only active coaches with more 10-win seasons in that time frame are Alabama's Nick Saban, 14, and Clemson's Dabo Swinney, 12. Hashtag go Pokes. Hey, man, that is an elite program with elite company around it, Okay. So you love to see that. I saw somewhere that since 2000, Texas A&M only has one 10-win season, which Man. is so crazy to think about because you know, it's Texas A&M. They have way more money than Oklahoma State has, and they have so much national – they have a national brand and all this stuff, and you're just like, bro, you got you you got children out here believing in Santa Claus, and you can't fault them because you got grown men out here still believing in Texas A&M football. And whenever you look at AM for the whole time that I've been watching college football, which, you know, to be fair, has only been since about 2008, AM has always just been a, what, like a seven, eight win team. And they out here firing coaches for winning eight, nine games. I'm like, but that's who you are. You know, you, at some point, you got to accept that. It's, it's the weirdest mm-hmm. thing ever. But hey, that's just, this is what we do as Cowboys, man. We go out there and we dominate against slightly above average teams. Hey, that's, win. That's awesome. A win, Eve. A win is a win. That's right. Oklahoma State won has that win last night or one Wednesday night. Seventh bowl win in the last nine seasons. So that's uh pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty dang good. I will. I will take wow. it. <laughs> I'm Go sorry. Ahead. I just I had to look it up because I was like, is I almost don't believe that. And fact check. It's Crazy. straight up true. Of course, it's that it's world. that 2012 team yeah. that they had. You know, Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. Where they went eleven and two in their first year in the SEC. Yeah, but like, oh, you're talking about fact checking the the ten win thing for yeah for A and M. That's just such a crazy statistic. I know. Like, right? I mean, even though whenever they were in the Big Twelve, like you would think, oh, it's A and M, and yeah, we whenever were, we, were when we played them in we played them in 2011, I think they were number eight in the country at the time, and then after we beat them, it seemed like they just fell off. But I mean, yeah, it's just like the same thing. Like they don't have any. They're they're basically Iowa State. They don't have any ten win seasons in here. What what's going on? Since so two thousand, you said. Yeah. So almost twenty four years. Yeah. Their last. Season. I mean, the, the last one is nineteen ninety eight when they went eleven and three. That's crazy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's so in the last twenty five years they've had two ten win seasons. Seasons. That's crazy. And they're such a yeah. To your point, like I feel like they're talked about as like A and M is. A and M, their football program each year either has the number one or the number two most amount of money in the in the in the country, right? Yeah. So yeah. Them or Texas every single year, and here they are, just can't even get double digit wins, can't beat Oklahoma State, and all I have to say to that is, <clears throat> you should have been a cowboy. Everybody that goes there. 
I don't want to say I feel bad for AM because I don't. Sorry, I don't at all. However, I can empathize because Evie were saying before the that we started recording, and you said in our text last night that they are not the same team that they were week one um, that we faced last night, and they lost their starting third string quarterback. You know, he started the season as third string, became the starting quarterback at the first play of yesterday, and they had to rely on their fourth string true freshman quarterback. So AM was definitely a shell of themselves. Doesn't make the win any less meaningful to, to me, in my opinion. Like that's that's the nature of the game. That was us last year. You deal with it. It's just it's how the cookie crumbles, you know. <laughs> the record books are only going to show that we had 10 wins this season. It's not going to show, you know, how we beat opponents, which opponents we lost to, you know, it's what it's going to be. And I'll say this, like they were a shell of themselves compared to week one. They were a shell of themselves compared to snap one. You know, I think it was just one of those strange seasons that was not just injury plagued, but so many things within their athletic department just went wrong with, you know, the, the coach firing with mm-hmm. you know, their staff. Of course, it's like just completely turned over. Even their interim head coach is leaving to go to Syracuse to be the defensive coordinator over there. And then, you know, Connor Weigman, who was promising going into the season was not, you know, who they thought he was going to be. Just so many things with Texas A&M, but this ain't to believe in Texas A&M podcast. All right. We believe in OK State and I feel good about where we are at as a program yeah it's pretty crazy though like that quarterback i mean four-star recruit out of high school i mean these guys they have stars they have a lot of talent on that team and that's why they were able to make adjustments at halftime and kind of make it a game because they had you know they can make all the excuses about you know we're only we're playing like this many new starters this game and all that stuff but hey yeah at the end of the at the end of the day a loss is a loss I mean, should have been a cowboy. Eve said it right, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean, they they did for under the circumstances, the the cards that they were dealt. They they played a great game. Uh, quarterback probably wasn't expecting to play at all, and then comes in and puts up a great performance. So, uh, and then yeah, we can we can dive into it a little bit later. But some of those guys on defense, I'll, I gotta give I gotta give a shout out to those guys too. But we'll get there. Well, yeah, we'll get to defense in a little bit. I want to I want to shout out the MVP of the Tax Act Texas Bowl, Rashad Owens. What a game from him, guys. He's been kind of, you know, just improving week to week. He was the first wide receiver to win the MVP of the Tax Act Texas Bowl in the Bowl's 17-year history. Ten receptions, 164 yards, two touchdowns. He finished the season with 63 catches for 895 yards, five touchdowns. Four of those coming in the last two games. In 2022, guys, in all of 2022, he had six catches. Roosevelt High School's finest out there, San Antonio, Texas. And this is what you love to see. Like, you love to see development over the years as guys stick with the program, as they just, you know, as they buy in, as they believe. Because he was out there looking like dang near Justin Blackman in that game. Uh, and that was really fun to watch. It was fun to watch. It's been fun to watch his progression over the entire season. And I think that he gets another season, another off season under his belt. Man, you know, what he could be in 2024 really gets me fired up. Yeah, those two touchdowns basically is what got him the MVP because Presley showed out too. Like, press, bowl game Presley, bowl game Brennan. Yeah, well, Presley, where where are my stats? Where are my stats? Can't find them. He, uh, first of all, I was calling him QBP for a second uh, because of his 34-yard pass to Rashad Owens. That was that was something that play had me a little nervous, and then it worked out, and I was like, okay, I see you. I see you, BP. He tied this What? I was going to say, if he would have just put a little more mustard on that, that would have been a, you know, passing touchdown, man, but it's all right. You know, you take what you can get. Yeah, but uh, – BP, we saw against Houston, he had 15 catches for 189 yards, one shy of the record. He tied the record this week, or this game, set in 1949, 16 catches for 152 yards. The record was 16 catches. He had those against AM. Total 101 catches on the season. He is fourth in school history for single season receptions. Yeah, that was. I was surprised to see they had the the statistic pulled up of him tying Des Bryant in the Holiday Bowl when he had 13 receptions in that bowl game, and I had forgotten about that. I was like, man, like Des Bryant. We're talking about Des Bryant and Brennan Presley 
gets three more catches on top of that. The day wasn't the day wasn't done for Brennan. So yeah, that was just a, an amazing performance, and yeah, big props to BP. Yeah, old reliable right there. I mean, a couple of different times. I think I think this was the third different time where he was scratching that single game record. Uh, right. Yeah. This season. So I'm just like, man, if this guy can just be that, uh, you know, that reliable, that that safety blanket for a quarterback, even as he transitions over to the pros. I mean, we'll see what his decision is, right, whether he stays in college and whatnot. But, you know, I can even see him being like a Julian Edelman type of player as he goes over to the next level. That's just like, hey, Mr. Consistent comes up big in the in the postseason. Right. Just making the plays that need to be made. So, yeah, that uh, that was really fun to watch. And, you know, it's not it's not just the receptions like we look at 16 catches and I'm like, man, that's a lot. He was actually really explosive and making guys miss. And no, he didn't get in the end zone, but like he was able to like put some moves on some of these guys. And he looked more explosive this yeah. game than he had all season long. And I'm just thinking, dude, if he gets one more year of development with Oklahoma State, like he can make that into an elite level of quickness, agility, all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to him coming back to play at Oklahoma State if he chooses to do so. But man, like, yeah, he looks it, fat. Can, it can be, yeah, it's he could it can turn into like a really special year, and I think BP could really benefit uh, from that as well. Yeah, no, he looked so fast. The biggest question there, though, is who's the quarterback going to be? I think that's, yeah. I mean, look, I've never been in a position to where you know I had to make a decision okay, do I want to stay? Do I want to go to the NFL? Right? So, you know, great for him that he even has this right. as, as an option, but I will say. That QB position is going to be a huge determining factor of you know what his decision is going to be. Yeah, I, I think too. Like it's a di- it's just different for us, right? Like whenever we were playing, not like we would have gotten paid anyway. But if you're in that position, you're going to be getting paid to play college football. So if you're getting paid and you don't have to deal with all the responsibilities of NFL life yet, and you still get to have all that college life fun, it just I don't know. Something in my mind thinks. Why go to the NFL whenever you're making the money now? There's less pressure. You're having more fun. It'll come eventually. Anyway, I digress. That's there's there's a ton of other factors that go into it, but that's just kind of like the mindset that I have from the outside looking in. I, I would say that the only pushback there would be just to the two points that you made, right? If you're getting paid and you have you know less more responsibility, is one you're not getting paid nearly as much, right? And then secondly, it would be. Uh, one could argue that you actually have less responsibility whenever you go to the NFL because you don't have class, you don't have study hall. Like your job is only football and making sure that your body is ready on a week-to-week basis. But yeah, that's I don't know. That sounds boring to me. Bills. Oh, there's nothing boring about playing in the NFL. I'll tell you that right now. Just kidding. You got to You know, you got to pay bills in the NFL. You know, there's more. There's there's more. There's this more responsibility when you have a job. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're paying bills now too, but I know my parents helped me out in college. And as soon as I got a real job, they're like, nope, you're on your own. You're off our insurance. You can get your own. You can do whatever. But We'll have to go back and look at like his career numbers, how it stacks up. If he has a chance to finish as one of like the top five, top three receivers in Oklahoma State history, I wonder if that's going to play a factor into it because he's got to be getting pretty close, I would think. Yeah, and one thing about him is he loves – Oklahoma State. You know what right. my biggest pet peeves was was whenever we would have teammates that were just too cool for school. You know, like they, they didn't know any of the you know the songs to the bands. They didn't really necessarily care about having the team spirit as much as it was just like, hey, I'm here. I'm here to do me. I'm here to ball. Yeah. But pregame in the the tax act bowl, you saw him and Ollie doing the oh as you like they're yeah. really out there fully bleeding orange right like they got the the orange colored glasses on like everything about them i love that i love this university you even saw ollie gordon saying yeah it was really never a decision for me to leave i was always going to come back like we did a lot of this stuff just for recruiting to make sure that we can you know help the university out recruiting but i was always going to be here at oklahoma state like you love that your stars like that your best players also love their alma mater Justin, you mentioned BP, like where he ranks. So in the OSU career record books, Presley is fourth in catches with 225 and seventh in receiving yards with 2,548. Yeah, so you give him one more season. I mean, he he can crack in the top three three receivers in OSU history. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Like, just think about that. That is so wild. I'm just like for a career. Because most guys leave after the breakout season. 
Yeah, but you think about Oklahoma State, a lot of people will say it, wide receiver you. And if you're going to be like essentially cemented in the top three of wide receiver you, like that's pretty, that's a pretty big uh, reason to stay, in my opinion. Like that's like you have that, you have that opportunity. So I don't know. We'll see what he, we'll see what he decides. He's on, he's on his own time, like all he was. So, you know, take your time, make a good decision. We'll go with you either way. You know, you got Cowboys, uh, Cowboy fans absolutely love you. So you can't make a, you can't make the wrong decision. Can't make the wrong decision. Justin, you're talking about wide receiver you. And the one guy who I thought, you know, might go off and we, we, in our last episode uh, was Leon Johnson. And he's also getting lost in the performances by uh, Brennan Presley and Rashad Owen. He had four catches for 86 yards. And he had that incredible third and three catch that Gosh. went for 33 yards. I mean, that drive ended in a turnover Oklahoma State. But that catch was so incredibly athletic. And to be, to have 86 yards and not be the first or second receiver, like leading receiver yeah. in the game is insane. He's out here just doing cartwheels for fun. Bowman did have those two picks, but he had an incredible game as well. He threw, uh, he was 34 of 49 for 402 yards, two touchdowns. He had the two interceptions, but 402 yards. Yeah, like hit that 400 mark. Woo. Okay, Bowman. I see awesome. you, you know, like whenever you, you can put up 400 yards as a quarterback whenever you have the Doak Walker award winner in your backfield, like yeah. we're back. Like this is Oklahoma state offense. We, we are back. Yeah. And then after the game, rocking that Brandon Whedon Jersey, you know, paying homage to the goat in my eyes. Love to see that. Justin. Yeah. He wore the, he wore that great Jersey that we wore against Texas A&M or I guess we didn't wear it against A&M because we would have won gray, white, gray at A&M. Yeah. So that would have been, but it would have been the first game of the year. So that ULL game or yeah. more white, gray, white, but yeah, Brandon Whedon, like it was just a matter of time before we saw the Whedon Jersey. Right. And, and it looks like, it looks like Whedon gave him that Jersey to wear. Right. Like that was a, that was a game. I'm jersey. sure that it's like the same thing with what he's had with the equipment room. Like Justin Williams, he's got, he's definitely got Brandon Whedon jerseys in that thing. He's like, yeah, let me let me go ahead and give you the goat. You're right. Yeah. Equipment staff is hooking him up. Yeah. Cause in my head, I was like, yeah, he's probably DMing with D or maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Whedon has all his jerseys and he's like, hey, man, you want to wear my jersey after this bowl win? <laughs> Cause I know JW Walsh is right there on staff. So I'm sure he would just like, yeah, yeah here you go. But yeah, who knows if he has That's it in the so awesome. or if it's at his like his parents' house in, in uh, Abilene, Texas or something. Last player who we haven't really talked about much on offense, of course, Doak Walker winner, Ollie Gordon. We did mention his name, but didn't really talk about talk about his stats. Uh, he had 27 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown. He because this is this is wild. He became the fifth Oklahoma State player to reach 2,000 all-purpose yards in a season, finishing with 2,062 yards. That part's not the wild part. The others: Terry Miller with 2,009, Thurman Thomas. 21 2130 Chuba Hubbard 2334 okay incredible names and then um of course yeah. Barry Sanders 3526 yards his Heisman yeah. my dog is putting up QB numbers at the running back position <laughs> in less games in three less games in three what? less games that i was looking at that stat and i was like those are pretty impressive names and then i looked at the numbers and i'm like you got fifteen hundred yards more than Yo, like that's stupid. That's I don't stupid. need to hear anybody ever. You know what? People talk about Barry Sanders being the greatest running back, you know, in college history. Barry Sanders might be the greatest offensive player in yes. college football history. Like straight up, when you look at this, it's the same way that I feel about Jerry Rice. Like in my opinion, Jerry Rice is the greatest offensive player in NFL history, which I know is kind of a big statement. But golly, Barry Sanders' numbers are out of this freaking world it's crazy to look at wow like and but that's just an incredible company to be in to be with the three guys three of the guys who are in the ring of honor right now and chuba who had an incredible 2019 season and then oh by yeah. the way ollie you know and and when i talked to ollie a couple weeks ago um before the holidays you know, we were talking about like, Heisman conversation. He's like, oh, I don't, I've never really thought about winning the Heisman because it's a quarterback award. And I'm like, you know what? Let's change that. Let's change that. Let's, 
go go off next year, Ollie, and uh, let's let's bring a, another highs. And he even said he's like, you know, in his post game last night, he said, "I want a New Year Six. I want college football playoff. I want you know, Stillwater needs another Heisman." So Ollie, twenty twenty four, make it happen. Yo, yeah, you love again. You love whenever your star players love the university and they want to bring all this stuff to the fan base and to their teammates. It's exactly what you want to see. So. Hey, I am I am an Alan Bowman fan for the rest of my life just because of how well he represented the university because he won the last the last uh, bedlam. I'm an Ollie Gordon fan for the rest of his life, for the rest of my life, too. And it's only been one year. But the amount of loyalty that he has shown to the school, uh, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm a fan for the rest of my life. Brendan Presley fan for the rest of my life. Nick Martin fan for the rest of my life. <laughs> Straight up. And let's talk about Nick Martin. Martin trained, Eve. Welcome to the Nick Martin train. Wait. Wait, before we, we can't get to the defense real quick. Like, pause for a second, because I, I love me some Nick Martin too. But are you guys worried at all about the pressure that Ollie's going to have next year with him returning and all of that weight and responsibility on his shoulders? My biggest, not question mark, but where I hope Ollie grows the most between now and the first weekend in September is his maturity when it comes to on-field behavior as, you know, if someone has an arguably late tackle or something, he's talking a lot, you know, and he got flagged for it last night. And I'm kind of glad he yeah. got that flag for it last night because sometimes the only way to learn from your actions in life are to suffer consequences. And that penalty, 15 yards, I think it was on a third down. So, it was, you know, the down counted and we just punted away anyway. So in the grand scheme of things, it didn't yeah, really but it, was, it was the difference between like fourth and two and fourth and 17. Agreed. Yes, Big it deal. was. And it was like, you then you go for on fourth and two, but in the grand scheme of things, that was not a game changing penalty that worked against us. We won the game. We punted away. I think our defense, you know, held them on the next drive. Um, so it wasn't like that was late in the game where we needed that first down to keep a drive going to, you know, score a, winning touchdown or field goal or something. And I think he's a, a great player, but for every one person that loves Ollie Gordon, there are 10 that want to see him fail. And that's any great player. That's just how it works. If you are yeah. the best at your game, people want to see you fail. If you are not on their team at every level. So I just want Ollie to mature a little bit, know when to shut up <laughs> and just show it with your gameplay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it kind of depends. Like, I actually, I, I wouldn't say encourage it, but I, I don't mind trash talk at all. I think that if you're able to go out there and like talk some smack and back it up, like that's awesome. But I also, to to your point, Meg, I don't want to see it like after, you know, every play and whenever it's like not going your way, like why, you know, it wasn't. It really wasn't every play. It just it seemed like that at times. But there were also times where he did show a little bit more composure. And yeah, it's it's um, just something that, you know, you want to go. I, I was saying it last week. You want to have fun in the bowl game, like let loose. And then it kind of became like personal, like A&M came out and they were trying to hit him hard and they were talking snap. Like, I don't think Ollie just goes out and then just starts like running his mouth. You know, he's no. definitely like doing it in response to something right. that these the, the defense is saying. But, I also, yeah, go ahead. I was say, to your point, I don't mind trash talk either. You see it at every level, and it's yeah. like players, there's a big hit. There's also the uh, like where the, the opposite where guys are like, oh, that was a great hit. You know, like Andrew Luck was notorious for that. I think when, you know, someone guy would tackle him, like, that was a great tackle. Well done, sir. You know, yeah. um, and He's goofy so about it, you know, yeah. yeah. And I don't mind the trash talk. I don't mind him, especially with some of the not cheap shots, but there was that one that I think drew a penalty where they like body slammed him into the ground. Yeah, get yeah. up talk like i don't mind that it's when you take it it's like okay you need to know when to stop because at a certain point if you keep going or get too close to them get in their face that's when you're going to draw an unsportsmanlike flag so it's like that fine line of yeah talk trash but also know when you're pushing the limit that's going to draw a flag i think there also comes a certain point to where your game is so respected by your opponent that they're even a little afraid to talk trash or they're going to wrap it up even more uh, because yeah. they know that it might get to your head. But to answer your question, Justin, I don't think worry is the right word for me as much as it is just I'm eager. I'm eager to see how he responds to the pressure, right? I think it was a uh, tennis legend, Billie Jean King, who said pressure is a privilege. So 
the expectation is there. Like there's, there's going to be this weight of expectation that could crush him. Right. I think coming out of high school, he was already regarded as one of the best running backs in the country. And then he comes into Oklahoma state and here he is having success back to back 200 yard games. And there's pressure from that moment. And to me, he's responded the right way. You have your offensive line coming back. That's definitely going to help, but that kind of pressure might crush a whole bunch of other people. So now we're going to actually get to see what Ali is truly made of, because whenever you have a tremendous amount of pressure it's typically because there's a great opportunity that has come along as well so i'm eager to see how he responds to the expectation to the opportunity that is in front of him and to back up all the things that he's been saying and also to that point eve you know when i talked to him in the beginning of the season it was august we had no idea he was going to be have this season like there was no i don't think anyone was like oh yeah ollie gordon's gonna win the doke walker i don't think anyone going into this season had any of those expectations because we didn't see a ton of him in 2022. And he, you know, he talked about how he had to learn to work for things because he did not start as a, a freshman, but now he's a sophomore and he was trying to find where he stood as a leader because he's only a sophomore and he's in a running back room with, you know, Jaden Nixon, who was a year older and Elijah Collins, who was a, a senior, I believe, you know, coming in with more experience and just trying to find where he was. Well, now he's a junior, the Doak Walker winner, has most all-purpose yards in the country, I believe. Like, he can come in and step up and be a leader and not worry about stepping on people's toes because he has right. proven himself. And I expect to see that from him this offseason and next season because I think that these guys know that they have the pieces to be great next year. And I can really see Ollie, like, leaning into that and saying, I'm not messing around. This is it for me. This is my last year. I want to go out. I want to bring a natty home to Oklahoma State and a Heisman. <laughs> Yeah. To, to whom much is given, much will be required, right? So when you're getting paid six figures, maybe seven figures to play the game of football, like welcome to professional football at this point. Like you're, yeah. of course, playing at a lower level of football, but your game has to elevate to that professional level. Your preparation has to elevate to that professional level. You can't have any slip ups in your code of conduct, which is you know that high standard you carry yourself to on and off the field. I mean, like, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of pressure, but the great ones embrace it. You know, like yeah. you said, e, pressure is a privilege. And I think that Ollie will embrace that, and I'm looking forward to it. But like, we were talking about how he just had, uh, what was it, nine 100-yard games this season. Next year, I want to be talking about, like, how many 150-yard games he had, right? You got to be able to elevate it that much more. Barry Sanders in his 88 season, the lowest he had – was 154 yards or something like that. It's like you got to be able to, you know, have that as your kind of the bar. And I'm not saying go out and get three, 400, or what is it? He had four 300 yard rushing games. That was five. Like, you know, no, that's yeah, five, different four, stat. Four, different stat. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, very almost unattainable statistics, but you can set yourself a, as a, a goal. My minimum is going to be 150, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, John Talley is a member of the Oklahoma House of Representatives. Um, before he was that, he was the director of FCA at Oklahoma State, right? So Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I remember one of our meetings, Justin, you may have been there because we used to go to those together. Yeah. He spoke to the team. Every Wednesday, he used to have a crowd of the team and some coaches that used to go in, on the east end zone of Boone Pickens Stadium, and we would listen to a message from him. And there was one uh, one time that he was talking about a player on a wrestler, somebody on the wrestling team who, as a freshman, got there and he wanted to be a leader. And he would go out there and he would give rah-rah speeches. They'd be out there running stadiums and he'd be just trying to encourage people and just, yeah, yeah do this, do this, do that. And nobody was trying to hear it from him. Like he was a freshman. He had just got there. He ain't put in no work yet. And Darnell Bortz was one of the uh, upperclassmen on that on that team. And I know Darnell because he and I served on uh, SAC together. And he, he he told me this story as well. And he goes, I just had to tell him. I was like, bro, shut up. Stop <laughs> talking. Don't say anything to anybody. The best thing that you could do is finish first. 
do all the drills, make sure that you're doing everything that you need to do. Okay. And then a couple of years later, that same freshman ended up becoming a team captain. Why? Because people follow production first. So Ali comes in and he's like, okay, well, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. After this season, here he is. The production is there. He is the best running back in the country. So now what does it mean going into next season? All right. You got these coaches around you like Coach Glass. I wish Joe Tudman was still there because Joe Tudman knows how to pull some leadership out of you. But, you know, coaches who hopefully can pull some of that leadership out of him going into the 2024 season so that you see the same type of player, but a much more composed, much more mature type of personality. And now you're saying, OK, this is one of the leaders, not just on the field, but uh, as far as the culture of, of our locker room as well. Yeah, because it's not just him right now. All he knows what it takes because he's done it and he can elevate his teammates level of play because he can, he's going to be the one to step up and say, Hey, you need to be able to do this, this, and this for us to get to where we want to be. And of course the guys are going to respect a Doak Walker award winner. So they're going to take that advice seriously. It's just a matter of pouring into the guys around him, being positive, uplifting them. And the next thing, you know, we're over here winning another 10 wins, 11, 12, going to the Big 12 championship, college football playoff next year. A lot, a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Should we talk about our defense and Nick Martin? Yeah. I'm I'm glad that I paused you guys because I love the conversation that we had, but let's please get to Nick Martin. Nick Martin. Nick Martin. Favorite, favorite defensive player. Uh, So last week, I said that Nick Martin, Kendall Daniels, and Trey Rucker had the chance to become the first trio of Cowboys since 1985 to record at least 100 tackles. And guys, they did it. They did it. Nick Martin ended the season with 140, Kendall Daniels 105, and Trey Rucker 100 on the dot. Nick Martin's 140 tackles are the most of any Cowboy since 1979, and he ranks sixth in OSU's single-season record tackle record and fun fact his fumble recovery in the fourth was the first of his career oh wow <laughs> yeah that's awesome i know he's forced a, fumble, a couple fumbles but mm-hmm. i know that i'll tell you what leslie o'neill had 134 tackles in 1985 and that guy was a defensive end what in the world <laughs> where they do that at you know i was looking at that and i mean it's no surprise that he went on to have the career that he had in the nfl that is that was probably the most that was the craziest stat that I read whenever I was looking at all of uh, Yeah, Nick. that's that's Ring of Honor worthy. Like, we might yeah. be seeing him in the Ring of Honor next year. Like, just, yeah. oh, ba- here's a good reminder. Thank you, Nick Martin, because look what this guy did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, also, go ahead. I was going to say, if anyone watching uh, has seen the graphic that Oklahoma State put out about Nick Martin's single season tackles, whatever, since 1986, yeah, can someone please explain? that graphic to me because <laughs> I don't understand what is going on because your teammate Ori Lemon yeah did not play in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and somebody explained it to me actually in my comment section it was uh, Clay Billman really sounds like it was just a clever way for them to say like hey here's a stat that no one's had in almost 40 years right and uh he's the first one since that time to have more it's it's it was written so weird because it had him listed <laughs> as number one but i will say he he passed up ori lemon who had 133 tackles in 2010 as you mentioned ori uh lemon was our teammate uh whenever we played at oklahoma state and oc everybody called him oc funny enough he didn't even have a middle name people ask him what does a c stand for he was like i don't have a middle name i just have a middle initial <laughs> so random <laughs> OC. but i remember oc i think 2009 we get there everybody knows who Ori Lemon is he was one of the best um, one of the best linebackers in the country already at that point definitely in the Big 12 conference and there was one practice that we had Justin where he goes down during a team period and everybody's like are you kidding me OC is down you know he's down like he's not getting up you give him a couple minutes and then he just you know he pops back up he's like yeah I can finish practice I can finish practice goes out there he finishes practice at the end of practice we ran right we ran sideline to sideline what is that suicides yeah. whatever yeah so we ran some suicides like six suicides everybody hates those after a long practice OC goes and he finishes it up cool we're good the next day as it turns out OC tore his ACL and it wasn't a partial tear like it was a full tear he finished practice and ran suicides afterwards after tearing his ACL. And I remember Coach Gundy 
in the meeting, whenever he told everybody, he was laughing. He was like, yeah, this guy tore his ACL and then finished practice and then still ran with us afterwards. Like, what in the world? So he's like laughing as he's saying it. So he's like, yeah, so if he's laughing as he's doing this, there's no doubt he's going to come back and he's going to be all right, right? So after the meeting ends, I go up to OC and I said, bro, did that not hurt? Like, how did you continue to practice and do that? Like, weren't you in pain? And he just laughed. As we're walking back to the locker room, he laughed and he goes, man, hell yeah, it hurt. But it ain't nothing to a warrior. And that was his favorite saying it was, it ain't nothing to a warrior. Anytime he would get tired, it ain't nothing to a warrior. And I just always remember that. And I remember I would say that to myself whenever I would get tired, like it ain't nothing to a warrior trying to embody my inner OC. Right. But I think about the pain threshold that you have to have to be able to perform at the elite level of an Ori Lemon who, you know, ended up getting drafted, you know, played in the NFL, Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Bucks amongst a, a couple teams. And that, and who knows what kind of pain that Nick Martin had to endure over the course of the season, but being able to fight through that pain, having a high tolerance and being able to record 140 tackles for the season. How amazing of a feat um, is that in a day and age where people aren't running as much as they used to in the past and he's still out there just racking it up. You gotta, gotta respect it. Crazy, man. I love Ori Lemon, by the way. I love Ori Lemon. That guy was one of the toughest individuals uh, that we had the honor of being teammates with. Was also crazy, too, like around that time, I guess it was technically fall camp, so we were all done with summer. And yeah. Well, you and I, we, we were walk-ons at that time, so we got on the team in August. Yep. And we had fresh legs, right? We didn't go through all the summer workouts and spring, yep. winter, all that stuff. These guys had been. And I remember – around that time we had run those suicides and des was like man what are we doing out here like coach we ain't got no legs like we're dying and all this stuff and uh not to say he was like complaining he was just like powering through it or whatever and just kind of getting frustrated like we're got we're about to go play georgia and we're out here running suicides and it's like we were doing it for a reason obviously like playing georgia beating them at home and the home opener in 2009 it was a big deal um but yeah, I was thinking like I'm tired. Like, and these guys have been out here for however long. They they don't. I have fresh legs. They don't. And Ori Lemon definitely didn't. And they're still like just ain't nothing to a warrior. Ain't nothing to a warrior. Crazy. Love it. One one more defensive shout out as well. Xavier Benson. He forced that fumble in the fourth quarter that Nick Martin recovered. Eve, you said it on an earlier episode this season that he just has come out and just made some very big plays oh, for the Cowboys. So he's got a shout out Xavier Benson, but he's unfortunately he is out of eligibility after this season. So he will not be back. Players who could potentially be back on defense, Kendall Daniels, Nick Martin, uh, I just completely blank. Colin look, Oliver. Though on uh, on Xavier Benson, like I I kind of remember last year, especially toward the end of the season, being a little bit kind of frustrated with his play. If it, it seemed like he was out of position a lot, and maybe wasn't it looked like he wasn't kind of given that effort. I feel like this year was completely different for him. He had a big time improvement, and yeah, I want to give props to him for that. But also, whoever brought that out of him, if that was Brian Nardo or you know another coach on the on the staff but like dude like yeah clap, golf clubs all around like that was and, and uh, one of the biggest improvements i've seen watching cowboy football from how he looked last year to how he looked this year i think he gave himself a real good shot at you know being able to make an nfl roster yeah. just based on how how much he has improved over this one season you know what i probably appreciated the most about xavier benson was at the beginning of the year when everything was happening with the transfer portal and there was this mass exodus in the transfer portal. He was one of the guys that came out publicly. Yeah, true. True. I remember that. Everybody that stays, hey, we're, we're going to make something happen over here. Uh, he was the only one, I believe, or at least the first one. And then everybody else came out and, and started yeah. saying stuff afterwards. So it was a big statement for him to be saying that. Cause at first I see that I'm just like, it's like Xavier Benson saying that, you know. Like, and then he established himself as a leader and a great player as 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 the season went on. So it wasn't all talk and no bark. I mean, he went out there, or all bark and no bite. No bite. Yeah, he went out there and actually started biting some folks, and he was doing that consistently throughout the season. Mm -hmm. Um, defensive. Here's here's a fun defensive fact, guys, from 
the game against AM. We gave up 372 yards in the air to them, but allowed zero passing touchdowns. We only allowed 73 rushing yards. Granted, two rush touchdowns, but only 73 yards. Look at us. Yo, I'm telling you, this is the type of momentum that you need at the end of the year that could carry you into a really special season into the new Big 12 Conference. Like this, this, this gets me really fired up. Of course, the quarterback position still has a bit of a question mark on there, but this, this type of game that we had against this SEC team, albeit it was Texas A&M, that is the type of momentum that will change how you approach the offseason, the winter program, spring ball, all the way until you know week one of 2024. That gets me fired up. Dude, yeah, it's it's so much better to end with a bowl win, like carrying that through, like having that kind of the you know you're working through positive energy at that point because whenever you have that bad taste in your mouth, it's not fun. Like you're always thinking about it, you're dwelling on that, and it's like it it ultimately is in the past. You got to move on from it, but you can't let. I feel like negative emotions fuel you. I feel like the positive ones are where you get actual production. Whenever you be a And M beating an SEC team, call it what it is. Yeah. Moving into 2024, I'm very excited for what we have coming up. I don't know if you guys saw any of the videos, but like Colin Oliver posted um, some videos on his Instagram and I saw photos on Twitter and they're just like smoking cigars in the locker room or on the post game. (laughs) And they just seem to be so happy and having fun. And you could easily say, oh, it's the Tax Act, Texas Bowl. Who cares? Like bowls are meaningless. This was 100% not meaningless to anybody. 10 wins does not happen Often, well, I guess if you're Oklahoma State, it's happened eight times in you know Gundy's yeah, tenure. So here. it yeah, happens you know. often in water. You hear me? <laughs> happens often here. Good to but be us. my my expect I 100% expect this team to win a Big 12 championship next year, 100%, and be in the College Football Playoff with the number of guys returning and the number of guys. You know, I I fully expect that those those are it's, my standards. It's a it's a an amazing opportunity because it's going to be the first 12 team college football playoff winning your conference championship is going to go a long way in your seeding who you match up against in the first couple of rounds. Yeah. We got to take full advantage of this because it's going to carry that momentum to the next generation. Like how many guys are returning next year on the O line that are seniors? You know, we got to be able to recruit to backfill those in the future so that we're not just going to be like right back where we started. Like this is the time prime time to take advantage of guys coming back. The experience being able to win big games consistently and establish ourselves as legitimately a top 10 top five team, because there's not, there's not a better opportunity than right now. At least a top 12 team, all right, so that we can make it to the playoffs, please. (laughs) But I will say, look, I mean, whenever the Vegas odds come out, you know, once the football season uh, wraps up, it's like who who else would be the favorite? It's us, maybe Utah, right? Utah is always consistently, like, you know, up there. And then Kansas State, you know, like, and they just lost their quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I I feel really Kansas might have those guys coming back too. Neil's coming back for Kansas, Devin Neal. So. And is their running back coming back also? Well, they're they're starting. Uh, That's they're Devin Neal. They're running back. Oh, uh, sorry, I was thinking of uh, being the Bean. quarterback. Oh, I guess. Yeah. No, they're starting QB. The one that got hurt, he's coming back. He announced that he's coming. Jaden. Oh yeah. yeah. Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels. Jalen. Yeah. Jalen. Yeah. Jaden's at LSU. <laughs> sorry. I have his number in my phone. Now, so they just got done winning the uh, guaranteed rate bowl, which is what we lost in last year, and here we are this year. So I'm just saying, you know. Jalen Daniels, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be good. Good Um, Really, TCU. I mean, they were in the playoff, but that they beat Michigan. Like they could bounce back. They just had a down year. Um, If they have another come up with another quarterback that performed like Max Duggan, you just never know. Like sleep on Texas Tech. They had a really good recruiting class. Mm -hmm. True. Before we turn the page to 2024, I have to give Justin a shout out. Got the uniform pick right again. That boy. It's a good feeling. He's, he's the guru. He is the guru. And I'm telling you, that uh, OSU uniform tracker page on Twitter is Love so it. great. I mean, whenever you're able to go back and say, like, okay, yeah, we've been 5-0 and in bowl games, you know, to this point, whenever we wear black jerseys. Like, that, that's just fun, right? It's fun to go back and look at that. And then, yeah, like, the uniform stuff is, is incredible. 
Yeah. So if y'all have any ideas, I've, I've got a couple of ideas, but you know, going back and looking at helmets and what records we have with certain helmets, um, you know, uniform combos, things like that. So I've got, I've got a lot of things kind of on my plate as far as what we could be doing, but if you have any ideas, drop them in the comments and uh, yeah, appreciate, appreciate the love. I will say though, it was a very clean look. Loved it. White, black, yes. white. Uh, somebody was saying, I think I saw on Twitter, and maybe I agree, but they were basically saying Curse of Cowboys, even though we've seen it multiple times this year, Curse of Cowboys is kind of what saved this combo. It wouldn't have looked as good with a different logo. And I think maybe I agree with that, unless it was potentially the black brand. We just haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't even know if that's going to be in the rotation or not. Um, I hope it is. Like That's that's one of my favorite favorite looks, but uh, and I will say this, if I had to create, if I have to critique the uniforms in any way, which I don't want to, I mean, I'm just, I always want to see like what could potentially make it a little bit better. Uh, which, how do you, how do you make perfection better? Uh, it's hard to do, but I will say, uh, I think that this look could have benefited from having pants stripes. And I understand like, the, the reasoning for it at the beginning of the year, not having it for all the different combos. Now they would need to get two versions of the white pants to black know, stripes have, and orange stripes. Yeah. To have the two different versions of white jerseys, you know, Justin, just call up Nike and be like, Hey man, I think we, we, we put in the wrong order. Like give <laughs> us these expedite these for us because I feel like if that look had, you know, that triple stripe that we see on the sleeves and the helmets on the pants, like that it would elevate that look so much more I respect that it. black stripe. Anyway. I respect well, it. Okay. State tracker on Twitter for anybody out there that wants to follow. It. Congrats, Justin, for winning the uniform picks for this season. Uh, however, Bixby won game picks this season. He went 11 and three. Unbelievable. Guys, I know that uh, Oklahoma state is done. No more game picks for Oklahoma state, but shall we pick the college football playoff? Picking off oh, on wait, wait. Wait, oh, before sorry. we do sorry i i almost i almost let this slip justin williams again major props we brought back the bowl captaincy badge patch which oh, I, was- I have loved so much ever since we started doing it i think was in 2009 2010 around that around that yeah. time yeah nine, uh, ten. which is all the way back in the old template they had like the we, we wore white jerseys at the time so it was a it was black you know, Marshall badge yeah. it had this, uh, the orange C in it. And I just remember thinking, bro, this is like one of the cleanest, most subtle ways instead of just like the plain C that you would see on like Notre yeah. Dame, for example, like this instills cowboy culture into it. And I love that so much. And yeah. for the bowl captains to be able to represent, like, that's just so cool. Anyway, we did that for, you know, 2009 through I'd say 2015 in that old template. And then with the new template that we had, you know, previously 2016 through 2022, they already had the OSU badge in the center right here. So they couldn't necessarily put like a captain C, but I guess they could have, but they didn't, they just went with the regular old C. And I was like, man, I really miss that. Like multiple, like every single bowl game. I was like, we're missing out on one of the coolest things that I think is, yeah. What makes Oklahoma State uniforms great? Well, here we go again, bringing it back. And man, did it look clean. It and it was just like mm, chef's kiss. You want to make perfect uniforms even better. You put a bowl cap and patch on it like that. Ah, chef's kiss. Well done, Justin Williams. Great, great uniforms this season. Can't wait to see what uh, 2024 <laughs> brings. Hopefully a couple of different all whites. Yes. Because we Isn't missed out on that. We missed out on that this year, I feel like. Um, And not as the uh, script Cowboys. Yeah, Yeah, seven games of the script Cowboys this season. That's a lot. That's like 50% of the games. That's pretty cool. Oh, all right. It's good to be us. It's good to be us. We just got so many great looks, you know. College football playoff kicks off Monday, January 1st. In the early evening, Bixby went 11-3. and with Oklahoma State picks this season. How will he do picking the college football playoffs, guys? We'll start uh, with the Rose Bowl game, Alabama 
versus Michigan. This is Michigan's third straight college football playoff appearance. How does Bixby do? Who's it go with? Who's it go with? Bixby says go blue. Okay. Says go blue. I respect it. I disagree with Bixby. I know. Blasphemy because he had the best record in game picks. But I... I am going Alabama. As I said, Michigan has been here the last, it's their third straight college football playoff appearance. I just think that Alabama has been heating up at the right time. Bama has never gone three years without a national championship in the college football playoff era. I I just roll on with the tide. Nick Saban, man. Goodness gracious. Well, I will say, look, there's um I mean, Jalen Miller has just been getting better and better as the season goes on, right? Uh, I, I honestly want Michigan to win it. I want Michigan to win it. I used to root for Michigan growing up randomly because of Sister Sister, the the, <laughs> yes. the show. They yes. Michigan shirts. Anyway, but I think Alabama takes it, and their D-line has been looking better. Their quarterback has been looking better. I know that Michigan's O-line is also really strong and really good, so I hope that they can put up a really great fight. But, man, it's just hard to bet against Nick Saban. You know, I I kind of agree with you guys, but I, I I picked Michigan at the beginning of the year to win the national championship, and I can't bail on them now. Okay. Uh, I don't have any reason to. Michigan is a they're a veteran team. I think they have a great shot to beat Alabama this year. Now it's hard to tell how good they actually are because the Big Ten is so terrible. But to give you an idea, uh, we had their third string quarterback start for us this year. All right, Alan Bowman was behind J.J. McCarthy, and he had put up this year 2,630 yards, 19 touchdowns, and four interceptions. And then Blake Corum, one of the other great running backs who was in the conversation for the Doak Walker, 1,028 yards and 24 touchdowns. I'm sure that he had some other um, receiving yards in there that I don't have the statistics on. But, I mean, these guys are pretty good. Uh, they're you know, they, what did they beat Ohio state, their rival the last three years in a row. That's hard to do. Um, they've won the big 10 three years in a row. Of course, the way that that championship game is set up, it's an easier game than playing Ohio state, but that might lend to their advantage, like playing a weaker schedule and being strong at the end of the year versus playing Alabama schedule and maybe being a little bit more beat up. I think that gives them a good shot. So I'm going to go roll with Michigan in this one. Yeah. Room for a good game. All right. Uh, yeah, it is up. It's a good game. And in the uh, Sugar Bowl, we have New Washington. Orleans. We have Washington, former Oklahoma State player Jabbar Muhammad, corner for the for uh, former Cowboy, corner for the Huskies. We miss you, Jabbar. Jabbar come back, Dairy. I know. <laughs> not not too late. I had a tough time picking this one, but before I give you. Uh, who I pick between Washington and Texas. We'll see who Bixby went with. Come on, Bix. Who's going with it? He also... There was some hesitation. He's like, Mom, I don't want to do this. Yeah. He, But he stood there for a second, and he normally doesn't wait that long, but he likes the Longhorns. Yeah. He likes the Longhorns, and I also... This was tough for me, guys. I really was going back and forth with who I thought was going to win. You have Heisman finalist Michael Penix up there, who I believe is the best wide receiver in the country. Rowan Adunze. Yeah, Adunze. Sorry, what's your name? Rowan Adunze. They have a great combination. However, I'm going with the Longhorns. I think they're going to pull this one out and set up a rematch with Alabama for a national championship. I want that. That's what I want. I want Alabama yeah. versus Texas. Yeah. I want Texas to get vengeance on the 2009 uh, national championship game where Colt McCoy got hurt. Like I would love to see that. Um, but as can much not as I'm, wait, can I not wait until next year when they play again? Like, you know, no, SEC games. No, national national level, right? But no. now, with that being said, same same thing that I said. As much as I want them, just like I wanted Michigan, I just don't see it happening. I think that Texas has a good defense, but I think that. Washington's offense is even better. And I think the rules, of course, of today's game just make it more advantageous for a really good offense to uh, overperform a really good defense. So, uh, and Washington's defense can hold their own. They can hold their own against Quinn Ewers and, and those boys. So, 
I got Texas losing to Washington and with the national championship being Washington versus Alabama. Cool. I was going to say, if you had Texas, Alabama and the national championship, that's just a not fun. That's a disaster in my opinion. Like Why? this is for one, Alabama should not be in this playoff. They don't deserve to be in it based on Florida state getting robbed. All right. I roll. Basically, they have a chance. They would have a chance to win another national championship. They don't deserve to play in, just like 2011. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm still salty. Uh, two, it would be essentially the SEC lovers again. Oh, an all SEC championship game, even though Texas is still technically part of the Big 12. That's just the way that we're going to do things now. Texas is in the SEC, so it's an all SEC championship matchup again. I don't want to see that. Uh, but yeah, Washington guys, I'm definitely going to be pulling for Washington. Of course. Uh, one of the Me most too. fun, exciting offenses to watch all year, uh, the way that they were able to come out on top against USC, who was like the preseason hype. I mean, everybody was high on them. Caleb Williams, Heisman trophy, Lincoln Riley, going to make it to the playoffs, all this stuff. They came through that. They had to beat Oregon twice. So they're they are tough. And of course, it's a rematch of the Alamo Bowl where Washington had defeated Texas 27-20. Um, but at the same time, this is a different Texas team, as we've seen. And it seems like they're kind of on their revenge tour of sorts because they've they've been kind of been ripping through some teams. So I think that this might be like one of the best playoffs we've ever seen yeah. based on these matchups, man. Like I'm really excited. Uh, I really, really, really want Washington to win, I love but that. I think stars matter. And uh, in this case, I think Texas is unfortunately going to win. So I've got Texas versus Michigan in the national championship. And I think they actually, I think they play next year, if I'm not mistaken. They they might play each other uh, to start off in the non-conference next year. So that would be a crazy game to look out for next year. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Texas is going to win this game, sadly. Um, I want to go against them, but I just can't based off what I've seen. And they're they're so close to New Orleans. I feel like they're going to have a lot of fans there. <sighs> it's just for setting sure. up setting up for that. So, Man, let me tell you something. We're going to see a great receiver and um, cornerback matchup. I mean, you have yes. one of the best receivers in the country, and Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to be good. You, you would expect to be guarding Roma Dunze in this game. And then on the other side, you got Terry on Arnold. Terry on Arnold, who's probably played himself into the second round, maybe even the late first. And he's going to be going up against their uh, their other wide receiver, whose name is escaping me right now. But are you talking? Um, Kool McKintry's on Bama. He wouldn't be guarding yeah, yeah. Arnold Dunze unless it was the championship. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it's if it's the championship. Oh, okay. I was like, uh, what? Sorry, I should have been more clear. Yeah, if it's the championship game, that's uh, that's what I've been looking forward to. But Bama, I mean. Yeah, Michigan doesn't have any quarter, any receivers that stick out to me. <laughs> yeah, and then, and which is kind of weird. I feel like uh, if you wear number one at Michigan as a receiver, though, you're probably pretty good because of who they've had in the past. Was it Braylon Edwards? Um, yeah. All of a sudden, I'm blanking. But yeah, I mean, I gotta I gotta go back and look at their roster and see if they got a number one playing receiver. Because if so, maybe he's actually pretty good. But no, this is this is. Like I said, going to be a great playoff to watch. If you want to tie it back to Oklahoma State, just think about how close Oklahoma State is to this level because we have played Washington in the postseason. We beat them in the Cactus Bowl not that long ago, and that was, I think, after they had already made their first college football playoff appearance uh, back in the day. I think that was with Chris Peterson as well. But Washington versus Texas, we know how – the record against Texas over the last 12, 14 years, whatever the case is with Coach Gundy. I mean, these are two teams that Oklahoma State can compete with easily. Now you look at the other side of the coin, Michigan. They just got beat last year by TCU. And then we got Bama. And it's like, okay, well, the last time that OSU played Bama was in 2006, and we beat them in that bowl game. That's all we have to go off of because, unfortunately, we didn't get to play them in 2011 when we should have won the national championship. We wouldn't have anyway because we would have played LSU. But I'll say this. Oklahoma State, don't sell yourself short. Believe that you can be there because next year, this time next year, 
there's a 12 team playoff and you are going to be in it. So you got to prepare now, starting now, put yourself in that mindset because you're going to be playing in it. Nothing's going to be unexpected. It's time to go out and win yourself a national championship. Let's go. Let's go. All right. But hey, JJ McCarthy, McCarthy Jalen Milrow, Michael Penix Jr., and Quinn Ewers. I mean, those are the four QBs that we're looking at. That's going to be the, the X factor. That's the X factor. Right? We got to get, we got to get a great QB. Well, come on, let's go. 5 p.m. Eastern time, January 1st. It all, the fun starts then. We'll see. We'll see who's right, who's got the right matchup. But guys, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Believe in OK State presented by Bet Online. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. And on behalf of Justin and Eve, I'm Meg. We wish you a happy new year. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.